Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Adrian Graham and Brandon Arnold from Brewmovers. They were recently featured in a Forbes magazine article called The Secret Weapon for Breweries, a shipping company called Brewmovers. I'll put the link in the show notes. I recommend checking out the article. It's very good. We talk about business, logistics, and craft beer, and how Brewmovers really understands the craft brewery business, the value-added services that they can provide that differentiates themselves from another logistics and shipping company. We talk about the main drivers of freight costs and how brewery owners can use this information to reduce this expense for their business. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Adrian Graham and Brandon Arnold from Brew Movers. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Brandon. Welcome to the podcast. So let's start by giving the listeners some background on your company, on Brew Movers. Tell us about the types of services that you guys provide. Sure. Thanks, Kerry. This is Brandon uh, with Brew Movers. Uh, appreciate you having us on. So a little bit of background. Uh, Adrian and I met around 2014 and actually started an uh, asset-based trucking company, which is still in operation today, called Hatch Transportation. Uh, we own a small fleet of trucks that uh, haul you know, various goods, um, various commodities, long haul over the road. Um, and so from there, we we ended up getting into the brokerage space as well a couple of years later. Um, again, just doing general commodities. And uh, we met a group of guys uh, my brother was doing some work with called Southern Grist Brewing out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and my, they reached out to us saying, you know, we're really struggling on uh, the logistics front. We aren't sure, you know, if we're getting the best pricing. We're not sure about transit times. We're really, you know, just brewers and we're not sure about the whole transportation space. So Adrian and I started helping them out and then it kind of snowballed. They passed our name around to some other folks um, in the industry and people started calling and it just, it kind of morphed into this, uh, this niche. And today we are a specialized um, logistics company for the craft beverage industry, not just beer. We also handle some wine, kombucha, um, coffee, um, and some other seltzer type products. So we're really focused on the craft beverage space. Um, and our, you know, our core is is based is basically breweries right now. So excellent. And how many breweries do you guys work with? And is there a specific sweet spot for you in terms of size or geographic location? You know, Carrie, over the last 12 months, uh, we were in and out of over 2,000 breweries across North America. Um, we've been helping uh, not only in North America, but on in international imports and exports as well. And so helping some of the craft malters and some fruit and hops companies actually get their products to international markets as well. Um, and it's we've worked with breweries in the startup and planning phase all the way to well-established uh you know, thousands and thousands of barrels a year, um, craft brewers all across North America for the most part. So obviously you guys are, you're specializing in craft breweries. That's your niche. How do you think about, or how do you explain like 
the value added services or how you differentiate yourself from say another logistics or shipping company? So I think one of the biggest things is when Brandon and I came together, Brandon had a long career in history working with some of the bigger brokerages uh, that are big name publicly traded companies. And so he understood the ins and outs of what made those big organizations work um, and the service models. And when we created Brewmovers, we wanted to actually be a part of the community um, and be a part of the craft beverage world and understand their their pitfalls, their challenges, their production cycles, uh, when they're dousing beer, um, the importance of pre-planning on a production cycle. And so we worked backwards and reverse engineered our company to provide them with the insight and knowledge to better understand freight times, freight costs, things such as that, so that we're not just shipping for them, we're actually helping educate them uh, so that they could be a more informed business owner so that it helps with everything else in the production cycle. Mm, that makes sense. So there's an article that um, I think you actually have it on your wall behind you there, Adrian, uh, from Forbes that's linked to from It's a great article, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, one of the takeaways I got from that was that you guys share a love of business and logistics which I had to laugh when I read, read that. So maybe you can explain why do you love logistics? You know, what is, what is it about it uh, that, that, that brings out the love there? Well, Adrian and I like to torture ourselves. That's why we're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, honestly, it really just, we, we like, we're entrepreneurs ourselves, obviously, and we like helping, um, you know, organizations stay organized and, and keep their supply chains in track. So Adrian has a background, um, in sales and marketing and also some logistics, as he said, my background is really, is really solely in logistics, but we just like helping get things from point A to point B and figuring out, you know, what, what it takes to make a final product. And I think, you know, we, we've shipped lots of other stuff in our past, you know, steel, fabric, different food products, but really the beer industry is interesting and the beverage industry uh, in logistics, because you're actually seeing the final product to fruition. So you know, we help we help farmers get their grain to the roasters. We help the roasters get their malt out to the breweries. We help the breweries then get their kegs and cans, get their fruit. And once, you know, that's all ready, the beer is then put into kegs and uh, bottles and cans. And we help them get to the distributors. And sometimes we even help the distributors get to festivals or get to their final destination. So really, it's, it's a unique situation. We're able to see the product being from literally a farm to glass um, the whole way through. So I think that's what we really love about the whole process. So it's really like the the industry, the people within it, the product, obviously the products and the logistics side. So kind of like bringing your passions together there. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and we honestly, we love beer. I mean, I think we actually started this business based on beer. Our first trucking company, we sat around drinking beer and we're like, <laughs> you know, let's let's do this. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, beer is our is the common denominator, I think. Yeah, it's the tie that binds. Yeah, that tra- that drew me in as well. I You know, I think beer numbers match made in heaven. I love the numbers. I love finance. And it happens to, you know, beers there too. So icing on the cake. So speaking of logistics, um, when a brewery is ordering raw materials, grains, hops, packaging materials, et cetera, you know, we know that the items need to get delivered and that there's going to be costs, but could you break it down for us? Maybe give us a primer on how freight and shipping and logistics work. I know it's kind of like you know, seeing how the sausage is made, but who are the players involved? Give us some terminology and uh, kind of how it works behind the scenes. 
Absolutely. So, so I'd say traditionally the, the status quo that the most brewers go through is they'll reach out to XYZ vendor for whether that's hops or fruit or cans or kegs. Um, and they rely on that vendor to have a relationship with the carrier network to deliver their product to them. And a lot of times we see that a lot of vendors go single source. Um, and so they w- may pick one of the larger nationwide players because they're able to get their products all across the country uh, with one phone call. Now, is that necessarily the cheapest? Is it most efficient? Is it the fastest delivery? And those are probably three of the biggest questions that that any brewer should ask themselves in, in sort of challenging the status quo of their current logistics model. And that, that's where we kind of help to step in a little bit and whether we're dealing with LTL, which is less than a truckload. So that could be anywhere from one to six pallets, um, or you move up into some of those bigger orders where you're maybe getting cans or kegs or maybe a new brew house and you need a full truckload. And so what we help brewers do is sort of test their vendors to make sure that they're getting the, the best deal at that moment from a rate standpoint, as well as the transparency throughout the shipping. Because one of the things that that we found and we can see is that unless you're in daily contact with carriers throughout the transit process, from pickup to delivery, you may, things may get lost along the way, or there may be a lack of visibility as to where my product is. Is it going to arrive on time? If it's going to be delayed, how long it's going to be delayed? And by going directly with a vendor's broker or, or shipping company, you tend to give up that responsibility. Um, and that's where, as a brewer matures and gets bigger and bigger, they start to take on more of the logistics themselves um, and partner with a company like ourselves to, to say, help me manage my logistics to not only improve cost, improve transit times with a larger carrier network. Um, there's over 120 different LTL carriers across the United States. Um, there's, of course, your probably top 10 nationwide players that that can go cross country on their own trucks um, and where there's other ones that are more regionalized players and they'll work with partner carriers along the way. So it's determining the best mode of transport at that time for your product based off your production cycles is one of those things that as you think about it more and more, you could save time, you could save money uh, and just have a little bit of insight into what your product's doing along the way. Absolutely. A lot of variables there. Yeah. What do you, what do you see as the main drivers of freight crossing? I guess within that question, are there drivers that brewery owners can use, like understand that information to help reduce their costs? Yeah. So, Adrian kind of touched on it a bit, but the main drivers, um, obviously, on cost are transit time. Um, fuel obviously has some serious implications depending on what that's doing, um, capacity and demand in certain locations. But um, breweries and you know vendors that that ship, we we always tell them, you know, the more lead time you can give, um, usually the better you the better you can position yourself on, on pricing because a lot of times when you're scrambling last minute or you say, hey, shoot, we need we need this fruit to be here by next week, and it's a five-day transit. Now you're really putting everyone in a bind, and a lot of times, you know, you have to pay for guaranteed services, or you might even have to use a, um, a team instead of a single driver, 
um, or, you know, different, different modes of transportation that might end up costing you more. So I would just say, you know, like anything else, the more prepared you are and the more organized in your, in the, in the products you're and ingredients you're bringing in, the better chance you have to save money. No, that's great. You know, as you were explaining, I think you said, uh, you know, sort of the components of it. And, th- and that's great to break it down like that transit time, fuel capacity, demand. Um, I, I look at this like when you're doing any project or you're spending money, you can, the old saying is you can get it good, fast and cheap, but you can only pick two of those. So if you say, well, I want it good and fast, then it's not going to be cheap. And if you want it fast, you know, you choose one or the other. So I think what you just said there is the more lead time you can have, that'll sort of eliminate the fast side of the equation. Then you can theoretically get it good, you know, uh, good service and then inexpensive or at least less expensive. So that's cool. Yeah. And that, and that's a good point. The other piece of that puzzle, I guess, is, is price always the driving leading factor? And, you know, it should be for the most part, but there's oftentimes that you don't want to jeopardize service um, and pay a cheaper price. You know, the old saying, you get what you pay for, but you don't want to jeopardize service or have an issue where you end up losing a product or losing uh, an ingredient to a, to a freight claim. And then you're, you know, then you might as well have paid more and got it done properly. So, you know, there's different options when weighing, um, you know, your freight providers and, and your costs, but that's definitely a factor. So. So take me through your approach with a new client or an existing client. Like how do you assess what their needs are and are there any specific questions, checklists, things that you guys go through to try to uncover uh, what, what's a good fit for them from a logistics standpoint? Absolutely. I, for every, every new customer that comes to brew movers, we, we like to do an intake call and, and really it's to understand more about their, their niche, right? So there's not all breweries are created equally and everyone has their, their certain niche that they're going after or specialty. And so we, we take an approach to actually learn more about the type of product that they're going to be offering and what they're going to be doing, the size of their brew house um, and even production cycles. And, and then take a step back and say, okay, talk to us about what worked well in your, in your shipping and logistics experience in the past. But then Talk to us about the opportunities or your pet peeves around the the transportation and logistics side of your business and let us understand that. So, you know, that usually opens up a, a big can of worms and uh, that, that part of the conversation usually goes a lot longer uh, and uh, it's usually coupled with uh, lots of uh, adjectives, we'll just say. Um, <laughs> it gets pretty fun. And then we can usually share horror stories about things that are going on or this or that. And then we take another step and we say that uh, we like to look at the financial side of everything. And Carrie, you and I discussed this before about the number side, understanding what freight costs are, but actually understanding freight as a component of your profit and loss statement at the end of the year. You know, Brandon and I get to see a lot of different things being ordered across the country and freight can sometimes be up to 40, 50, 60 percent of the product's total cost. And so is all chewed up in freight. And so as we take and peel back the onion and look at a customer's freight spend relative to their product cost, there's some times where we can make some suggestions about adding in an extra pallet or two or three to maximize the the space on the truck and ultimately reduce their cost per pound that they're bringing in. And now, granted, there's a lot of variables that go into that. Do they have the warehousing space? Do, is their recipe or the production suited to bring in extra amount of BlackBerry? 
we don't know that, but if we can offer those and get them thinking about if I maybe spend more on the front end, I can reduce my freight spend, which is then, uh, you know, a pure flow through to their bottom line. Um, that's sort of the approach that we take with every new customer that comes in. Mm, that's great. Yeah, it's kind of a hidden cost in some respects because you're like, well, I, you know, I know it costs, but it's, you know, I think what you guys do is a great service because you take a lot of the complexity out. Did you say there was over 100 LTL carriers or it's over 120 right. um, that are somewhat of on a major scale? Uh, and then when you peel back that, there's there's hundreds below that that could be. Uh, you know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. There could just be regional to Buffalo, New York, and and that's it. And but nationwide and in sort of southeast, southwest, those type of regional players, about 120 of them across the country. It's a lot to keep track of. Mm-hmm. What do you guys see relative to freight, shipping, logistics that causes the most questions or misunderstandings, or even the biggest challenges for your clients? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think people don't always realize how complex in, uh, of an industry logistics is. A lot of times, you know, people think it's like we use the analogy, it's, it's like booking a flight, but it's, it's really not. I mean, the front end, you know, we offer a portal that, that operates similar to you know, an Orbitz or an Expedia where you can book your shipment. But once that happens, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes. So, you know, you have to really understand and, and break it down to realize that when you're booking a shipment, you're possibly dealing with three to four different drivers, a few different terminals, terminal managers, weather, you know, there's lots of factors that go into it. So it's not always, you know, a smooth ride, um, so to speak. So I think that's a big thing that people realize that, that, you know, and and also it's, you know, it's hard to say who's responsible um, at the end of the day when the shipment's booked because of all the factors involved. So that's what we do is we try and simplify that process and make sure we're on top of it every step of the way so that things don't go wrong. But a lot of times people um, have expectations that they might, you know, it, they might be a little bit too high for the situation it's in. And we try and explain that to people, you know, and that goes back to that production time and how we help brewers understand the process and, you know, the logistics that go into it. But that and then also, I mean, the the the, the rates are always changing, I would say week to week, day to day, especially in now in, in these times today with everything happening. So. Just understanding that you are going to pay more during different times. Seasonality is a big factor. You know, produce season down south, rates go up everywhere. Fuel um, fluctuates and that, that changes pricing. So I would say those two things are, you know, really important. Absolutely. I'll give you a good uh, piggyback off of that. Uh, I had a I had a brewer ask me the other day, don't, uh, don't trucking companies work on the weekends? And uh, that goes right back to the, the whole thing around transit times. And so a lot of times, and this is a education for new breweries that are up and coming is, let's say it's going from Washington to New Hampshire, where you're at, that, that could be in today's world, right? It could be six to eight days is what they estimate, but that six to eight days is business days. So they don't count the weekends and depending, unless you do expedited or you do a guaranteed service, that freight most likely will not move over the weekend. And so helping to, to teach people about, you know, transit times and things such as that and what's actually happening that if it's coming from Oregon to New Hampshire, more than likely it's going to hit a rail spur along the way because they don't, there's just not enough trucks. So giving them that uh, upfront information helps them to be more informed. So makes sense. Yeah. And one more thing on that, that front too, you got me thinking, um, the way you wrap your product is very important. I think that gets overlooked. 
Um, we, we coach people a lot on how they should wrap their product to make sure that it minimizes damage in transit because, again, it's, it touches lots of docks, lots of tra different trailers and trucks. So, you know, I would invest in, in the way you wrap your product uh, using cardboard, corner stays, using lots of different stretch wrap, um, and that'll eliminate your claims and hopefully save you money in the long run. Well, that's a great segue, I think, to talking about the Pallet Parka. You guys have some sweet gear on right now. You got the Pallet Parka hats. I know our listeners cannot see that, but I can. Um, tell us about Pallet Parka. What is this thing and how, how can folks use it? We get pretty excited about this thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's different. So when we, when we really started talking about the, the business and everything else, the, the team really identified this gap. And it's the gap between dry LTL, which is not temperature controlled versus refrigerated shipping. And so when you start to peel back the onion on that and you look at the cost between the two, you either have that option, I could ship it dry LTL, it'll probably arrive there faster, but there's no temperature controlled. So if I'm shipping fruited sours or hazy IPAs, if they start hitting 55 or 65 degrees, they're going to re-ferment, cans are going to start popping, and it's going to be a big nightmare. Your alternative to that is let's ship it refrigerated. And refrigerated LTL is very unpredictable. Um, there's only a couple nationwide players that can actually go on their same trucks, which is direct haul from cross country, um, from the north to the south. But when you take a peek at that, the difference between dry LTL and refrigerated LTL can sometimes be three, four, five times more expensive. And so if you're trying to get your product to a new market uh, and be competitive, it's, it's a big challenge. And so we designed the Pallet Parka to help bridge the gap for breweries. And we designed the Pallet Parka around a standard pallet, which is 48 by 40. It can accommodate up to 70 cases and all the way down to 40 cases or one row of six stills or kegs. What the Pallet Parka does is it helps preserve the core temperature of your commodity. So if the beer comes out of the cooler at 40 degrees, it insulates the beer as it's in that stack in the pallet uh, against convective and radiant heat transfer. So if you think about it, if, if you set a beer out on your picnic table and it's 70 degrees outside, between, between the light and between air passing by it, over a matter of, what, 30, 40 minutes, it's going to be probably at that ambient outdoor air temperature. And so we've done over 50 test shipments, uh, and we actually just launched our, the website uh, on Sunday night for palletparka.com. And uh, during those test shipments, we've done everything from across country or, you know, just north and south. We really feel that the Pallet Parka is a great solution for people trying to preserve their beer's integrity in those one to four day transit times. And so, uh, you know, I'll give you an example of one of our most recent case studies is uh, there was a, a beer festival down in Miami um, and they had to ship beer from Pennsylvania down to Florida. Uh, the beer took four days in transit mm -hmm. uh, in a dry van truck. Um, it left the cooler at 40 degrees. And when it arrived down in Florida, despite being in 90 degrees heat for a couple of days, uh, the beer arrived at 47 degrees. And so many brewers have different tolerances to temperature. And I know beer varies by product, but 47 degrees for this particular brewer was a perfect sweet spot. 
and the ROI analysis on it, the refrigerated shipment was going to cost in excess of $1,400 for one pallet and take approximately eight to 10 days to get there. Uh, we did this on the dry van truck. Um, our LTL rates were approximately $400 uh, plus the pallet parco, which retails around $269. So in that one shipment alone, they saved close to 50% of the cost of refrigerated shipping and still had their product arrive at an acceptable temperature. So mm. that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Um, and let you, me tell you, I just try to add one more thing about the park I, that Adrian mentioned, but that was a great, great um, discussion on it, but the, it, it's also reusable and it, it's foldable. So there's a lot of sustainability in that. Um, so, you know, once you, it comes in a tote, a canvas tote that has, you could put your return label in and once it gets down to the distributor, they could pack it back up and pop it right back in UPS or FedEx and it'll come right back to you. So it, it is reusable. And, you know, that that savings you mentioned is on the first shipment. So if you get multiple uses out of it, the savings are, you know, unlimited. And is that something you guys, um, so you said you just launched palletparker.com. So is that a separate line of business from Brew Movers or is it they two kind of work hand in hand? It's it's owned by Brew Movers. Um, so we're patent pending right now. Uh, hoping to have that back soon, but we did launch it underneath its its own separate brand. Um, but it's by Brew Movers and everything else. And and part of that is is uh, we've been asked to uh, to showcase the product or do some test shipments with frozen foods and things such as that. So not only not only can we help craft beverage stay cool, but uh, there's some frozen food applications. There's some produce applications. Um, I'm not really interested in jumping in the pharmaceutical just yet, um, but uh, there could be a potential for that down the road. And so we wanted to have an easy online ordering system um, so that people can go on and literally enter it in. Uh, it's a Shopify site, so you get all the same stuff that you're accustomed to in your personal life, tracking updates, everything else like that, and it delivers right to your door. So, Great. So people could check that palletparker.com. That's right. So what do you guys see as the biggest areas of need these days from craft breweries? Or I could ask the question a little a little differently. What are like the top reasons people come to brew movers? Um, what kind of services do you find are most popular? Yeah, I, I think just our understanding of the industry and the space. And, and you know, as we discussed, we really know um, the, the beverage industry. And honestly, a lot of our customers or your customers. So, you know, the, the same distributors, the same hops companies, the same fruit guys, we work with them as well. So it's, as you know, the craft craft beer community is pretty close knit and um, we like to think we're a big part of it and we have a lot in common with you. So we're not just, you know, your everyday logistics or, or 3PL company that can, will take anyone on as a new customer or, you know, try and, you know, land a big Walmart or Amazon type business. We're more focused on the family-owned, family-operated uh, vendors and breweries and distributors that um, we can help grow and grow with. So, Well, guys, this has been fantastic. I mean, obviously, if there's one thing we've been covered here, if people didn't know it before, is that logistics are complex and brew movers can simplify it for you. And even better, maybe save you some money in the process. So with that in mind, if people want to get in touch, learn more about the services you offer, what's the best way for them to connect? It's uh, pretty easy. Uh, just go to brewmovers.com and uh, it's on there. Um, like Brandon said about small businesses and being engaged, um, 
it, even though we have a whole team that helps us and supports keep moving this ship down the road, um, we we like to be on the front lines and, and reaching out as people touch base with us and being a part of those intake calls and understanding. Um, and uh, then they always have our cell phones too, right? We're direct line to to the top decision makers to make whatever happens uh, need to get done to make sure their productions are keep going in the right direction. So excellent. Adrian, Brandon, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.